Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan. That's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F words. That's right, food and football. The third one is footlongs. Mm. I'm talking about subs. Get your mind out of the gutter. Mm. Mr. Geary, how you doing? Good one. I love that. Um, I'm terrific. Uh, I just uh, had my evening rice pudding. Uh, I am coming over my cold. Uh, I have shaved into the uh, December mustache. Uh, the Bills are 1-0 and since doing so. And here we are on another beautiful Friday night on Food for Thought. Another post-victory. Yes, Food for which Thought. is weird. Weird. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not really digging the Thursday night games. I'm, I'm no. good with them. I'm good no. with them. I want all of my football games to be played at Sunday at 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Yes. That's what yeah. I want. Now, I will say this. For those of you who have ever lived in the mountain time zone, mountain time zone is elite football watching time mm. zone. Noon. I, no, I don't. 11 a.m. 11 a.m., right? Yeah. It starts at 11 a.m., and it's done. It's done by 8 p.m. Mm. Absolutely elite football watching yeah. time zone. Can't really I will say that. this. The respect I have for the Bills fans who live in Europe is unmatched. I mean, these are people who are staying up until two, three in the morning it's to start crazy. watching. Yeah. It, I, I mean, just absolutely. If, if you told me that there was a sport I should get into, Nate, but it comes on at 3 a.m., I'd be like, I don't need to watch that sport. Yeah. I don't need to be part of this. No, but, zero need. It's But that's Europe for you. Like, I, I, and I've been to, I've been to England before. And, um, the time zone difference really hurts you. And I remember watching Sabres games. Boy, I that was when there were there was the beginning of the season. So this would have been 2019. They had a good start to the season. So I felt obligated while I was out of town to watch that during November. And uh, I remember it was like 4 a.m. in the morning and I'm on my cell phone watching Sabres hockey, which, you know, when I admit that and say it out loud, it sounds kind of sad. Yeah, that's all right. It's it's, it's completely fine. It's, <laughs> it's fine. sports. It's sports. So it's fine. To everybody out there, that this show and every other show on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network is brought to you by Picasso's Pizza. That's right, Picasso's Pizza, the one that I need to get, and my wife has said is the greatest pizza of all time because she wants to treat herself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Treat yourself, Picasso's. We are Buffalo Pizza, shipping locally and nationwide. Order online at picassospizza.net. Nate. I said last week mm-hmm. that I was out of Jenny. Ah, yeah. And when I walked out of my studio, my wife looked at me and said, Bruce, we are not out of Jenny. And I said, I'm sorry, what now? Big surprise. So we still have some crayon orange left over. Ooh, very good. Very so good, last very weekend, good. I had a couple crayon orange because Food for Thought is proudly presented by Genesee Brewing Company since 1878. Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They have made no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee Beer, Genesee Light, Cream Ale, and their specialty line with beers like Ruby Red Kolsch and Oktoberfest, yep. Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. Mr. Geary, are you ready? Uh, I was born ready, technically. Technically. You were born ready. Now, here's my question. What does born ready look like? Are you in the ready um, position when you're born? Yeah, I'm always on my haunches. I'm on my. I'm on like the balls of my feet at all times. Sure, sure. It, 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 sure does, get very, it, 
it gets exhausting, but I, you know, I'm always ready. Make sure you hit all of the engagement buttons, like subscribe, mm -hmm. rate, review, any super chats greater than 10 bucks. Get a Genesee pint glass. Make sure you're following at Genesee brewery on Twitter and DM at Nate Geary sports proof of the super chat and the Genesee follow with your address. And we will get you a Genesee pint glass, a reminder that if you would like to join us yes, for the food for thought drinking game, now is the time. Pull up your glass, pull up your Jenny, pour it on out, and let's get going. Here are the rules. Any of the following 10 things happen, take a drink. Number one, either host mentions their pet. Number two, either host mentions their dynasty fantasy football league. Number three, Nate's cat jumps on his lap during the show. Number four, Nate name drops a local Buffalo restaurant, which I can guarantee you will happen tonight. Yep. Number five, the third F of the show is an item that's a subset of food that's already happened. Everyone yep. take a drink. Number six, there's a super chat. Number seven, a winner or loser of the week is some version of all of us. Number eight, Bruce says what I mean by that is. Number nine, Bruce gives a fictional reason as to why his camera isn't working. And number 10, <laughs> Nate openly Googles something during the show. We got people in the comment section. They're already jumping in. Padden is there. JR is there. Karen is there. Kevin is there. Andy is there. The Calgary Mafia is right there. Yo. Calgary Mafia says 10 million USD or CAD. $10. $10 USD is the is the uh the cut yeah, uh, for a Genesee. That's right. And uh, I haven't sent one in a while. So I'm I'm I got a whole box over here. So uh not only uh We're if just you try to cover shipping that, basically. <laughs> yeah, right. That's it. Just cover shipping. Uh if uh, you want to, you know what, Bruce, tonight we're going to give one away. Uh, not right now. At some point here, we're going to do a trivia on the show. And during throughout the rest of the show, I'm going to think of a good trivia question right. that's, New, that's New England uh, related for a Genesee Cup. Richard Rush is there as Better well. Better late okay. than never, Richard. Let's do it. Food rivalries is the topic for this evening that we are going to get into. Food rivalries. Mostly because I have really much, I very much enjoyed the New England Patriots Buffalo Bills rivalry over the last couple of years because there has been a such dramatic shift in such a short time that a lot of the New England fans and New England media, New England content creators are having a difficult time wrapping their head around the new normal. You know, mm. the Buffalo Bills are wrapping their heads around new normal, and that is being the hunted. But for the Patriots, it's the idea that you don't have Tom Brady. And that all of the things that were previously made better or covered up by the presence of Tom Brady are no longer able to be done. So now, after every loss, there is a scatterbrained plot. There's like a scatterbrained, looks like a Jackson Pollock painting of people throwing stuff at a wall in regards to assigning blame. That's always yeah. the way it is. And that's not just a you know Patriots thing. That's an everybody thing. But what happens is, they're not used to it yet. They haven't done it enough times to be well battle-tested and worn. And so I've been enjoying watching some of the comments and reactions from Patriots fans, Patriots content creators, Patriots media, and things like that. But we're going to talk about food rivalries this evening. Nate, I'm going to let you start it off because I've been talking a lot and my voice is already starting to get a little weird. So okay. why don't you tell me some of your favorite food rivalries or something you've got in mind when it comes to food rivalries, something you could maybe draw a parallel to. Let's hear it. What you got for? So uh, food rivalries. I, I, the one I'm going to mention here is a fast food rivalry, uh, but particular their signature dish. And partially why I'm going to name these two is because of the recent resurgence of this particular fast food brand. But for the longest time, the other one sort of had the center stage, like had the this dish that was considered the best. And as of the last, you know, the popularity of this item uh, has seen restaurants all over the world and all over the country, particular in the U.S., uh, use their own version of it. And I am talking about, of course, the fried chicken sandwich, which has seen, Bruce, a pretty remarkable come up a popularity um i can't tell you that five years ago people 
had such a, like every restaurant you go to, even like local places, everyone wants and has their own rendition of a chicken sandwich. And I feel like that hasn't always been the case, that it's kind of a recent fad in the U.S., uh, driven by fast food companies. Now, McDonald's has one and BK has the uh, the chicken, um, you know. Uh, Wendy's came out with their own chicken sandwich. They had one for a while, but it wasn't a really good one. And then everyone came out with the chicken sandwich and they were like, oh, we got to revamp it. So everybody revamped and relaunched their chicken sandwich, right? Um, but Popeye's and Chick-fil-A it have this, I had Popeye's tonight for dinner. So it's kind of where this was, uh, you know, I, I, got, I got the creative juices flowing because inspiration. of Inspiration. Inspo, yeah. Fried um, inspiration. And by the way, I got the blackened chicken sandwich. It is better than the fried chicken sandwich. Hot take? Uh, it's it's really, really good. So, like, you know, Bruce, the Popeyes has got that the blackened chicken sandwich commercial. It's just terrible. It's so bad, but I keep seeing it. It's like played every single commercial break on every station that I watch. Um, so they're, you know, marketing finally got to me, so I got it. But Popeyes over the last uh, since they un unveiled their chicken sandwich, which would have been two to three years ago. Maybe it's a little bit longer than that. Um, but I remember that reveal, Bruce. I'm not sure if you do. But Chick-fil-A had sort of steered the chicken sandwich conversation for years. Now, locally, there was no Chick-fil-A here. But, you know, nationally, it was Chick-fil-A for the sandwich. You know, you had a couple of the other, the Zaxby's of the world and the Raising Cane's. But those are mostly chicken tenders. Filet was the sandwich hub. And then Popeye's revealed their chicken sandwich. And they take what you have in Chick-fil-A, which is consistent and has been consistent for a very long time. If you're in Hawaii or you're in the Boston airport, that Chick-fil-A sandwich is going to taste damn near identical. It travels across the country, travels time zones, travels, you know, all sorts of cultures and everything else. All of them taste the same, that consistency for such a long time. And then Popeye's a couple of years ago unveiled the chicken sandwich, kind of like Josh Allen kind of got unveiled to the world as being like a potential superstar quarterback. And now you have people lining up for the chick or for the Popeye's chicken sandwich. You have the spicy version, which totally elevated the sandwich. And frankly, Popeye's has the better pickles and has the bigger, better bun. It's a bulkier sandwich. You you put up the Chick-fil-A sandwich, which is a small traditional southern style steamed bun can compared to the Popeye sandwich which is the brioche grilled bun which is a totally you know kind of elevated chicken sandwich eating experience in my opinion so you have two core similar things right two restaurants that are living and dying by the chicken sandwich much like the New England Patriots were clearly living and dying by the quarterback position in Tom Brady and the Bills now are kind of living and dying by Josh Allen and their quarterback position. So there's a lot of sort of crosses to be made about the Popeye's and Chick-fil-A rivalry and how the, the, the emergence of the Popeye's chicken sandwich is a lot like the emergence, you know, of, of Josh Allen and, and this Bill's offense and the consistency that we've seen from him. So, um, yeah, I hope, I hope you like that one. That's not even my good one, Bruce. The next one that I have is, is the, it is thoroughly layered. So I may have mentioned before that I'm actually kind of shocked. I'm a little bit concerned, to be honest, that the, the nickname, the Fresh Prince of Bill's Mafia, hasn't taken off for me because I was born in West Philadelphia and I was always very, very born concerned. Born raised. And so if you were born anywhere in that general area, you know what I'm going to talk about when I talk about food rivalries. Oh, Cheesesteaks yeah. are one of my top five favorite foods of all time. So cheeseburgers... Cheesesteaks, pasta, all these things show up. Diner on burgers. My top five. Love a good cheesesteak. In fact, I had cheesesteaks yesterday Ooh. and I had a leftover cheesesteak today. That's how much I enjoy cheesesteaks. But if you live or are even familiar with the general Philadelphia area, you will know that Pat's and Geno's ah, is yeah. the rivalry. But I need, I'm here to tell you something. When someone comes to Buffalo and says, okay, I've heard it's Duff's versus Anchor Bar, what do you say, Nate? Oh, God. Exactly. You say just that. <laughs> Philadelphians yeah. say similar things when you say Pat's versus Geno's. Because we all know Poe's is actually the best 
cheese stick. Mm. And the funny thing about Pat's and Gino's is the only marketable difference. They use the same bread. They use the same meat. They use the same cheese. The only thing that is markedly different between the two of them is that Pat's has shaved beef mm. and Gino's has chopped beef. That's about okay. it. Okay. That is the only reasonable difference hmm. between the two of them. So the thing I think that's interesting about food rivalries in general is that something, I think there's something to be learned. And that is there are people who will swear up and down to you that there are drastic differences in the ingredients between Pat's and Geno's. And it's not true. But what we do is we allow tribalism in these rivalries to completely distort our view of what is actually real. And that's the way it is with food rivalries. That's the way it is in football rivalries. Because the answer is Poe's. When Pat's versus Geno's, the answer is Poe, by the way. Or the mm. ones that Mrs. Nolan makes. So food rivalries can teach us a little bit about what we can learn in about our life. own lives when it comes to like, <laughs> yeah, when it comes to actually discussing football, you can learn uh, a lot about things. You know, like that. listen, you know, they've always, they've always said in, in church uh, growing up I, and, and I was in a, uh, I, I was in a Roman Catholic uh, church and they always preached, uh, you know, to, to, to live is to eat beef sandwiches and eat, to eat beef sandwiches is to live a holy life. So that, that makes sense to me. It's a lot of, a lot of parallels to life, liberty, and the pursuit of beef. Absolutely. JR says Bruce is completely correct. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and screen cap this if you'd like. You don't want to do Hold on. Just so that. I'm just going to just go ahead and I'm literally taking a picture of this right now. It's on the record now. Yeah. I'm just going to take a picture of it. And then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to post it on Twitter while we're talking. That's what I'm Bruce is completely correct. Done. So, moving along. Here we go. Nate, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to okay. let you go first again because you told me that this was a banger. Yeah, You it is told a me that if Bill's Pats was a food, was an absolute banger. Yeah. So, I'm going to let you go. We are going to attempt to take the game that we just saw last night. Bill's Mafia versus Forever N.E., right? Forever any what? Forever anyone? Forever any forever good? Any, forever <laughs> anyone? Forever anyone? Forever any good? You're going to compare it to a food, Nate. Yes, I am. And you said it was a banger, so I'm it fully expecting this to be a banger. All right, you ready? I'm ready. All right. So let me set the stage for you. If those pads were a food, it would be creme brulee. And the reason it would be creme brulee is because at first... It is just custard with, you know, like large crystal sugar on top of it. Cane sugar all the top. And there's a lot of work, to, not, not a lot of work to do, but there's work to do to elevate it to the luxurious dessert that people love, right? Like, but it's at its core without the torch and the flame and the bruleeing of the actual sugar, it is kind of a it's not really that good. It's the crystallization and that, that crack top on top, right? So there's work to do much like the bills offense coming into Thursday was, you know, working through some things and had work to do to sort of get back to the offense we'd seen in the first seven weeks of the year compared to the offense we saw in the previous six that just did not look like the same offense that we had been come accustomed to seeing. And they just weren't firing in all the same cylinders, Bruce. And then, you know, this week was a lot like they had fired up the torch and they brulee the sugar on top. And it really created an entirely different enjoying experience. It's a totally different consuming experience. And to me, bruleeing the sugar on top to elevate the dish reminds me a lot of how I think James Cook right now is elevating the offense in a way that they're forcing teams to move out of two high safety looks. And... I've got to say, you know, is he perfect? No. Um, is the creme brulee a perfect dessert? No, I, I sometimes I like a little fresh fruit on top. Um, I really like the custard to be hardcore vanilla bean because uh, I'm a big vanilla bean guy. Um, I love the taste of fresh vanilla. Um, but man, Bruce, he brings a speed element and a pass catching element that we all had hoped he would bring. But he's brought 
and has elevated this offense uh, over the last, I would say, three weeks, but maybe most notably the Browns and then this week, where, Bruce, I think, I think I'm going to win a bet for the first time. I think this might be the first bet. You know, you must. This is important. We didn't bet anything on this. No, just it's just bragging it's like a, rights. Yeah, it's bragging rights. But I think this is the first opportunity. There's a chance because we got what a week to go, right? I is it week fourteen? Is that week what it 14, was? Fourteen, I think. Week fourteen. Yeah. You have we have an opportunity here. You have a, a meaningful opportunity to win your first bet ever against me. In on food for thought. Yeah. It's a big. It's a big week. It's a it big is. Week. It's a big ten days. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, I liked it. I liked it. I liked the Bill's Pass rules of food. Thank you. For sure. Here we go. I'm going to give it a shot. You remember how you said you liked fruit on top of your creme brulee? Yes. I like fruit on top of my creme brulee too. Bill's Pass was specifically citrus fruit. Ooh. And I will tell you why it's citrus fruit. What you think you're going to get when you eat citrus fruit is... Refreshing, good palate cleanser, makes you feel pretty good about yourself, usually gives you a good amount of energy. You're like, okay, yeah, this is going to be good. I'm going to have this citrus fruit. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be good for me, good for my mental health, good for my physical health. You don't ever feel bad when you eat citrus fruit. You know, you get done with like a naked juice or something like that, Mm -hmm. like a mighty mango, and you're like, yeah, I feel good. I had some mango. I had some pineapple. I feel really good about the citrus fruit that I consumed. And all of that stuff is true. But here's what you don't expect. You don't expect that the runs you get are going to be surprisingly significant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bruce, I didn't know that's where the story was going. Um, I... Yes, I I enjoyed that. That was a journey. You brought me on a journey, and I appreciate. I just appreciate that I was tall enough to ride the ride. Absolutely, you know, I'm yeah. out here telling six foot jokes. Got to make sure everyone's not five eleven. You know, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So the, that's the punchline. The punchline is that yeah, it's really good for it. It's absolutely really good for you, right? But you're not expecting the runs to be so significant, and that's the way I felt watching the Patriots game because the Patriots came in with a good run defense. And the Bills came in, we're not blocking overly well for the run. So you thought to yourself, okay, this is probably, you know, it's like the incredibly immovable object versus the very, very movable object. You know, it's like the totally stoppable force versus the immovable object. It's not really much of a, not really much of a, uh, a duel of the fates going on. But then all of a sudden the Buffalo Bills start to get push in the offensive line. And you're like, uh, what? And they get serious jumbo packages coming in where you have Bobby Hart and two tight ends coming in. And you're like, oh, okay, we're going to do that thing, are we? And I got to be honest, Ken Dorsey deserves credit. The personnel groupings last night against the New England Patriots were kaleidoscopic. It was all over the place. There was things over here and things over there. And I was like, okay, on the first drive, for the Buffalo Bills against the New England Patriots. There were so many different skill position players being used that I wasn't even actually watching for it. And I still ended up going, oh, okay. I see it. Hmm. I totally see it. I can see what they're doing here. So I used the kaleidoscopic gif to describe the personnel (laughs) groupings that were on offense. But my first tweet during the game last night was... John Brown, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Khalil Shakir, Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, James Cook, Naheem Hines, and Isaiah McKenzie all made appearances as Buffalo skill position players on the first Bills drive. And it just got better from there. It did. Because you started to see Tommy Sweeney pop in. And then you saw Bobby Hart come in as an extra tight end. And you're like, oh, okay, we're going to do this thing. Everybody is, everyone's here. The, The gang is all here. The gang so, is all here. That is right. Castellan says Dorsey was like, what if we used all of the offensive linemen? Yeah, right. Is there a rule against just using all offensive linemen on the field at one time? Absolutely not. You can do it. The problem is you most people only have eight. You just would have to have three people walk onto the field to declare eligible, which is messy. Yes. 
it is it's it's absolutely 100% messy. By so, the way, can I just point out citrus fruits um definitely give you the runs, which is funny that like in the halftime of little league and middle school and high school football like orange slices. The first thing you're doing is is just downing. I mean 15 to 20 orange slices and you're headed right back out at the field and at no time was I ever like sitting in the middle of the game like, "Oh boy, like uh timeout you know like and it's never happened to me but i i like i would think that it's not the last time i've i've had an orange in like specifically a a orange cut up so that it's just easy to like you know just do 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 the thing and do you do you eat like the pulp or do you suck out the juices and then toss it away and you know I... what that's a loaded question bruce because what I want to say about oranges is I it's it kind of depends on the orange. Yeah, so I absolutely will will legitimately eat the orange. Like I will eat it. I will grab my fingernail, I will pry Pull it away. the actual yeah. orange fruit away. I will drag it across my mouth like I'm literally trying to unzip it with my teeth. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this I would no say that no one will tell you all about unzipping things with with uh, with teeth. There Jesus <laughs> Bruce it's, Bonk, 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 bonk. Yes, I'm um, really good at unzipping things with my teeth. So it's, yes. it's, it's the and, and getting the runs. Pulling. I mean, yeah, you know? he literally he he undoes his pants when he's got the runs with his teeth. That's impressive. I don't know if I'm that flexible. <laughs> Andy Anderson says yes. Okay, nine offensive linemen, Josh, and a Josh running back. Running. Let's do it. Why not? Guys, it's Friday night. Okay, this is, is not the Bruce exclusive. True. This is not Sports Talk Saturday. This is that's right. Food for thoughts. That's right. That's you knew right. what you were getting into. hundred percent. hundred percent. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, God Almighty, we ready? I'm ready. We're gonna make one more food simile. Nate, the reunion with former Buffalo Bills receiver John Brown makes me feel like, and I swear, if you make a smoke reference, I am just gonna be beside myself because I thought about doing it and said, "No, that's way too on the nose. I'm not gonna do it." So I'm gonna. No, go I first. didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Go ahead. The reunion with John Brown makes me feel like a new restaurant just came into your town and you're going to wait for all of your friends to try it first before you try it. You know, sometimes when a new restaurant comes into town, it's really, really crazy for like the first three weeks because everybody wants to try it. I rarely go to a restaurant the second it opens because they're still figuring their crap out. Right. Yeah. There's staff who aren't super trained and there's cooks who are still trying to figure it out. And I just want to give it a minute and then I will go because I want to get the actual experience. And I don't want my experience to be polluted because the truth is this. If I go the third day they're open and it's terrible, I'm still going to go back because I'm going to go. Hey, there's a perfectly reasonable like explanation for why it would be terrible this time. So if I already know that regardless of the outcome, I'm going back a second time, then why don't I just wait and go back the first time when I was going to go back the second time? So for me, I wait. But between the Xavier Rhodes situation, making John Brown inactive, sorry, making Kyrie Elam inactive, Mm -hmm. and then playing John Brown, the Bills just really don't want to rely on rookies. No. They no, don't want to they don't want to try the new thing. They want to let somebody else mm. try the new thing. Ooh, they want like to sit that. the new thing or on, on on the bench for a little bit. They Sean McDermott said they wanted to see what they had in Xavier Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes has been around this league for a very long time. You should not need to see what you have yeah. in Xavier Rhodes. That's right. Xavier Rhodes is 32 years old. 
He was drafted in the first round in 2013. There's lots of tape on yeah. Xavier Rhodes. But I will say, if you want to know what he is right now. You see him in practice every day. You do, but maybe you want to see him against an offense you're not particularly worried about. But I don't buy, I, I still am not in it making Kyrie Elam inactive. Here's the thing. You're, and, and I don't mean this because I'm picking on him, but if anyone earns and has earned a spot in the inactive list, say Jackson. <laughs> and he's just had a rough go, a rough couple of weeks. And if somebody, if you're, if you're looking to see what a veteran brings, yeah, like I, Dane Jackson's a guy that should take a seat. I, you know, I mean, that that's what I think. What I think is that Sean McDermott's trust needs to be earned in a significant way. And I think that we need to remember this. The next time we slot a rookie in mm. yes. right away, because there are two rookies that came in right away and played meaningfully right away on yep. the defensive side of the ball. Tredavious White, Tremaine Edmonds. That's it. Josh Allen wasn't even named the starter week one. Yeah, right. Ed Oliver played behind Jordan Phillips when he came on board. Yeah. Yeah. Who is now playing behind him? Matt Milano was playing behind Ramon Humber. Yes, Ramon Humber. I was going to say he was a Rex guy. I couldn't remember who he was. Yeah, Rex guy. So Xavier Rhodes is the Ramon Humber. Wow. He is Ramon Humbering. That's a deep cut. Kair Elam. So for me, the John Brown plus the Xavier Rhodes plus all this stuff together makes me feel like Sean McDermott does not want to try the new restaurant. He just doesn't want to do it. Mm. He likes his restaurants. He's going to wait it out. And then once that new restaurant's a little bit more seasoned, they think they feel like they got their stuff together, then he'll give it a shot. Hmm. It's an interesting thought. I I would say that I I think I agree with that. I want to tell you mine. All right. I should have gone with a smoke reference, uh, but uh, in the moment I wasn't uh, as clearly as savvy as you, Bruce. Um, but the reunion with John Brown, it makes me feel like. I'm at the late night drive-thru. I'm at the window at McDonald's. And what do I want, Bruce? I want French fries. And hot French fries. The roll of the dice, because I am not, I am not the guy that's like, hey, can you drop a basket of fries for me? Uh, I'll wait. It's cool. Because you know what they do? Like, they're just gonna like throw the fries that are already in there and soggy into the thing, and then because they're going to be spiteful. It's the late night crew at McDonald's. You want to say as little as possible into the microphone and ask for as little amounts of extras and additions as, as humanly possible. You know, those fries, they could come out fresh, right? Perfectly salted, that perfect crisp, right? And when you do, when you get those fries, Bruce, which is like what, once in a, once every 10 late night trips. Now I haven't been in a long time. For me, the ratio has been like one out of three recently. One out of three. Okay. I would say it's probably more for me like one out of six, unfortunately. Um, now, the, I, I've I've got a bad McDonald's that is right down the street from me on Main Street in the city. And I've like left a bad review. That's how angry they've gotten me on multiple occasions. Um, so that's a bad one to go off of. So I'm going to like kind of revert back to when I used to get late night McDonald's a lot when I was like in my early 20s. and that would be the thing I wanted. It was like, all right, yeah, like get me a McDouble, but I want a large fry and I want it fresh. Um, and the worst part is when you get that fresh, perfectly salted, perfectly crisp McDonald's fry, it gives you a false sense of hope. Like it gives you this, the next one's going to be this good. And then the next one rarely is ever. You're not getting two in a row. I promise you that, Bruce. Um, the problem is it could also be the old soggy, cold, unsalted, limp little, you know, like fries that just are not good. Um, or they're that, or they're really oversalted because they've been sitting at the bottom with all of the crystallized salt. And let me tell you, as a former McDonald's employee, 
yeah, didn't clean out the the fry the fry machine, the fry heater all too often. The hopper got cleaned a lot, but the fry machine is just like a lot of salt. It's just a lot of salt and oil. That's all that was in there at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't know, Bruce, what John Brown is. And yesterday really didn't give us an indicator of what he could be this year. So he's got an he's got another practice squad call up. He'll be called up next week. Um, you know, do I, maybe I want to see him on like a design play where he's getting a screen pass. I Bruce, I got to see juice. Um, I got to see what's left in the tank here. Um, and I got to see something to know if like, this is a guy worth a roster call up for. Um, but right now I'm at the McDonald's window and I'm, I'm craving fries and I, I just don't know what I'm going to get Bruce. That's good. I like that one. That's really good. You know, because John Brown kind of looked a little washed when he was here last. Yeah. But I wrote a piece for BuffaloRumblings.com about how we kind of thought maybe Shaq Lawson was washed and yeah. the Jets last yeah. year. And he's had a pretty solid year this year. Really solid year. Some of the some fun things about Shaq Lawson this year, while I'm on the topic. Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips, same thing. He looked washed too. He looked like he didn't want to play football. So Lawson has registered a pressure on 8.4% of his pass rush snaps with the Bills. He has five quarterback hits in 11 games played. Out of 127 run defense snaps, he has nine stops, which is a 7% stop percentage, which is second on the team. And is fourth best on the Bills defense and missed tackle rate, which is, you know, a metric that has not exactly been favorable overall to Sean McDermott's defenses. So last year in New York, he converted 5.9% of his pass rush snaps into pressures. He had three quarterback hits in 17 games and made only 15 solo tackles, which means that Lawson is, has beaten or is on pace to beat almost every single metric from last year. This time around. That is crazy. There you go. What what a man, what what a what a change, what a flip of the switch for him. Sometimes being in a place that you're comfortable with, Bruce, you know, like like any job, it's not just the NFL, it's just like any job. When you are back at a place that you are comfortable in, you are thriving in, um, and maybe don't discount the belief and the confidence that the fan base gives him too. Cause I mean, where go where you're loved. Right. And where, when, go, when you go where you're loved and you're in a work environment that you're supported, um, that's positive. Um, I, listen, watch any of the hard knocks, the in-season hard knocks. And, you know, Arizona for Jordan Phillips, it's, it's, not, it's a toxic place. Um, you know, J.J. Watt is, you know, I mean, he's beaten down and battered. You can see like mentally and physically um, they got freaking Buda Baker crying. And like it's like it's it's a toxic work environment. And the New York Jets last year. And then the Dolphins as well over the last couple of years, Bruce, these have not been good work environments. It's not to the same level as maybe like quarterbacks, right? Where you could, your career could be made or made or broken depending on where you're drafted. Um, But yeah, I mean, if Zach Wilson goes to San Francisco next year, um, he could be all of a sudden rejuvenated into a starting caliber quarterback again. Right. It just, it goes to show you where you're supported, where you're supported by management, by ownership, by your teammates, you're in a positive work environment and you've got a fan base that cheers for you, knows you, is familiar with you. And like you have that camaraderie and that connection to a place. Yeah, man. I mean, vibes, vibes are a lot. And listen, I I made a Sabres reference earlier. Sabres are are everything that Sabres fans the last 10 years have wanted them to be. If you're going to lose, just be entertaining. Like, Lose five four. I like who cares? And they're losing six four and five four and four three. Like they're high scoring hockey games. They're like the third or fourth. Um, they're or they're like top ten in goal differential, but have a losing record. Like that's the stuff that you want. And the vibes are driving what the Sabers do. Like there's just good vibes. There's a belief in the locker room. There, there. It's a young roster, and. The same can be said about an NFL locker room, how the vibes are, the family atmosphere, and the trust that – I think trust is another thing too, Bruce, is more reps, and they're being trusted to to play a role, a more meaningful role than the places they were playing prior. And Jordan Phillips made a lot of money to leave and go to Arizona. So 
I, I, I don't want to discount how important the environment around those guys are. Ironically enough, both Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson signed three-year, $30 million contracts with their teams after they left the Buffalo Bills. Crazy. Shaq signed it with Miami. Yep. Jordan Phillips signed it with Arizona. So, yeah, the, you know, we, we talk a lot about money and scheme fit, and we just don't talk a lot about people being happy. Right. Which is hilarious because we recognize it in our own lives, right? We make decisions in our own lives based on the things we think are going to make us happy. But for some reason, none of that stuff translates to like other players. It doesn't translate to any other people aside from ourselves. We can have a hard time imagining other players doing better when they're happier. We know that we do it, but we can't translate that to other people. Sometimes right. we unfairly translate our own jobs onto the NFL because it's not the same. And then other times we don't translate our own experience over to the NFL when we should. And this is one of those times when you're happy and you like your job, you perform better and you perform better when you like your boss and you like your coworkers and you don't hate every minute of every day. And you're not dragging yourself into work going, Oh, here comes another one every single day of your life. How would it be any different playing in the NFL? Mm -hmm. So we have, a mailbag to get to. First, we have an email from yes, Jeremy, and then we have a question from Andy. Jeremy says, Bruce, there will be plenty of talk this offseason about extending Tremaine Edmonds at Oliver Jordan Boyer. But I want to switch gears and talk about Devin Singletary and Gabriel Davis. My question is twofold. Would you or Nate extend one or both of them or neither? Number two, Assume the Pagulas force you to extend both. Mm. What's the absolute maximum contract you offer? Money and years. So I'll start okay. to give you an opportunity to think. So let's talk about Devin Singletary first. What do you think I'm going to say about uh, no. this? That's a no. Not because I don't like Devin Singletary. I have very, very, very little interest in giving any sort of meaningful second contract to a running back. And I don't think he's going to come back for vet minimum. Right. So for me, it's a it's an easy no for me. And that's not because I don't like Devin Singletary. But right. I have tweeted and retweeted multiple times. Give me James Cook and Naheem Hines in 2023. Can I – let me let me mention something to you real quick, Bruce. If I said I would sign right now Devin Singletary – to Rex Burkhead's yearly, what his yearly number is right now. Does that sound like a slap in the face to Devin Singletary? Yes. It's $2.5 million. Yeah. Are you giving him an, I, I they're already paying Naeem Hines 4 million. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, I'd offer half, he wouldn't take it. Two and a half million. Jamal yeah. Williams, $3 million. He leads the league in touchdowns. Chase Edmonds, six million. No shot. No shot. Absolutely not. No shot. JD McKissick, three and a half. Are you are you are you gonna give him the same contract you offered JD McKissick? No, he, you not. would expect you would expect he gets more. Yeah. No, I'm 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 full out on paying a running back. Full out. When it comes to Gabriel Davis, that's a little bit more complicated. But it is very complicated. Here's the thing. Gabriel Davis has, by most accounts, been fairly underwhelming this season. Mm -hmm. But, metrically speaking, he's had an almost identical year this year in 11 games than he had in 16 games last year. Similar targets, similar receptions, similar yards per reception, similar yardage, similar touchdowns. So basically, we're just getting more Gabe Davis. Mm -hmm. But I think we wanted to see a step forward in qualitatively what we saw from Gabriel Davis. But instead, what we've seen is the exact same Gabe Davis, but just more of him. So that makes you wonder, is it just a numbers game with Gabriel Davis? Right. Also, number two receivers are going to make 15 to $18 million a year. Do I want to do that? Next year, Christian Kirk 
is going to be a number two receiver on Jacksonville because Calvin Ridley's coming, making $19 million a year. Gabriel no Davis thanks. is going to make, you know, 12, 15, 16, $18 million a year. I'm out. I'm out. I'm you got you, you to draft wide receivers every year. Yep. You got to. So do for it. me, I'm out. I'm out. Not because I don't like Gabriel Davis, because someone's going to pay him a number that I'm not willing to meet. That's right. Someone's going to say, I'm going to get more out of him than the Bills did. Someone's going to say, give me a number one. Someone's yeah. going to Christian Kirk him. Yep. Yeah. Christian Kirk had 900 yards receiving and then signed for $19 million a year. Someone yeah. will Christian Kirk, Gabriel Davis, maybe right. not to that degree, but somebody will. So and Bruce, Bruce, moving back to the running back conversation, I have, I'm officially perturbed about something. Okay. I'm listening. The 12th highest paid running back in football, number 12 mm-hmm. of, you know, 32 starters, the 12th highest paid running back in terms of total value, average year, and total guaranteed money. Naeem Hines. Naeem Hines. Oh, I got it. Nailed it. The Bills. I think he's going to be their number one B next year and their return. I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, That's a lot of money. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. And not a lot, not that I thought it was a lot of money originally, but that is, and shame on the Colts for signing that contract when you already had Jonathan Taylor. Shame on you. Yes. Shame on you. You you, you signed your second string running back, who they didn't even use as, as a punt returner, by the way, to the 12th highest running back contract in the league. Below him, below him. Now, these are rookies, but Najee, or not rookie contracts. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. Gus Edwards, Josh Jacobs, Cordero Patterson. Gus Edwards uh, re-signed. Gus yes. Edwards, not rookie contract. Oh, that's right. Gus Edwards isn't. But how about right above Naeem Hines, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Mixon, Henry, Cook, McCaffrey, Kamara, and guess who? Zeke Elliott, highest paid running back in football. by more than $15 million of total value. And more than nine million in full in in full guarantees. Just un uh, uh, no. I'm sorry. His guaranteed money is sixteen million f- away from the next person, which is Elvin Kamara. Incredible. Nice. Incredible. Heinz uh, Cook, 2023, baby. No, yeah, they're out. Um, they're out. It just that 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 is. That is what it is. Yeah. Okay. So the I, second part I, of this I, and everybody, every, by the way, everybody loves Devin Singletary. The team loves him. Teammates love him. Josh, Josh Allen raves about him. Yes. Josh Allen raves about everyone. He raved about Gabe Davis. He called him the smartest receiver in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And he plays with Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Right. 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 Stephon Diggs over there in the corner, going, well, "I'm sorry, what now, Bessie? Oh wait, what did you say? Wait, 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 wait. Great point. Great point. I did Google it. Nate googled it. We all got a drink. Castellan. You the real MVP. That's right. Good catch. Good catch. You the real MVP. Good catch. So if the Pagulas forced you to extend both of them, what is the absolute maximum contract you offer? Now, see, this is a trick question, Jeremy, because if the Pagulas come to me and say, you have to extend them, okay, I could just offer them that minimum yeah, for one right. year. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to work my way around your, I'm going to work my way around your question, Jeremy. Yeah. There's a loophole. And I also don't think I also don't think that would ever happen. You gave me you gave me a loophole and I'm taking it. But we also got a note from Andy. And Andy wanted to ask us and said, if you were in charge of planning Odell Beckham's tour, where are you taking him to eat and why? So remember I said at the very beginning of this episode that Nate was 100% going to drop name drop Buffalo restaurants. This is the time where he really can't avoid it. Yeah, he's going to. Have, to have to. So get ready to drink again. Now, I will say this. I am not the right person to ask this question to. I have been to Buffalo. I think I have been to Buffalo to eat. 14 times in my life. Grand total. Hmm. That's not enough to have everything that there is to have. So my sample size is small enough. I mean, I loved 
Jim Stakeout. When I went to Jim Stakeout, I love Charlie the Butcher for Beef on Weck. You know, I love these places, but I've only had a small handful of Beef on Wecks. I've only had a small handful of the Buffalo Wings. Now, I loved Kelly's Corner, where you and I went. They loved Kelly's Corner. Very good. But haven't had enough for it to matter. So I'm going to entirely defer, 100% defer to my friend, gentleman, scholar, co-host, Mr. Nate Geary. Nate, take the floor for me. Thank you so much. Um, I tweeted about this earlier, but here's the important thing, right? You got to start a barbell, 11 a.m., get there early before the real lunch crowd starts to pile in. This is what I did with uh, with my good friend, Alton Brown. You want to get there early, A, because that's when they're pulling the first slab of roast beef out to start cutting it at the Orchard Park lo- or at the, uh, the East Aurora location, Bruce. He, they cut slabs of fresh roast beef and he hand slices it, but it's not thick. It's like a deli a deli cutter. It's incredible that someone can hand do that. Um, but it's, and then they, he stacks it, melds it together, stacks, melds, puts it on the sandwich. Um, incredible camel weck roll, um, honey butter, barbecue wings, beef on weck, uh, hang out, enjoy, be there hour, hour and a half, head to the facility, go check out, you know, the workout room and the, the hot tubs and all the great facility stuff that the bills have. Head over to Josh's, you know, watch some film, chit-chat, hang out with the guys. Then we're heading to Tutant for dinner. And that's where Reed Ferguson's definitely going to tell you to go. Uh, I know a lot of Bills players love Tutant. It's true Southern-style Cajun cooking. It's my good pal. James Roberts is the uh, is the owner and sole proprietor. Um, that is – that's the closing dinner. That's how you get him to stay. Now – Back in the day when it was Mario Williams, it was Tempo. Tempo is no longer open. So Tutant is the closer now. Um, and I like our chances. I like our chances a lot uh, if that's if that's the day we're going to have. But, Bruce, what do you think of the uh, – if you were to put a percentage on it, do you, have you been getting more confident as we got closer to this day about Odo Beckham Jr., or would you say less confident? Less confident. Hmm. I think it's Cowboys and the hmm. leader in the clubhouse. They are the last visit, which I think is important. I think that matters for sure. Yeah. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Buffalo Bills signed Odell Beckham. 100% would not be shocked. But the Cowboys feel like they're picking up steam. But I will say that Odell Beckham has a friend named Von Miller who remains steadfast that he's going to sign with Buffalo. So we'll see how much of a, a precog Von Miller is. But for me, it's a hundred percent Dallas leader in the clubhouse right now. That's what I think. Hmm. I think it's 60, 40 Dallas. I, I have liked and have thought that each day that has passed and we've gotten to this point that I think I have liked the bills chances a little bit more than I did two weeks ago. Um, we'll see. As Josh said, We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We're going to wrap this up. Winners and losers. Mm. Winners and losers from this week in the NFL. I'm going to start. We're going to start with winners. Okay. Trevor Lawrence. Ladies and gentlemen, come on down. Come on down. After the first year of that very heralded Mm. Urban Meyer class, there was a meaningful argument to be made. That the best quarterback from that class after one year was Mac Jones or Davis Mills. Not the generational quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. That is a great point. Trevor Lawrence has now, in my personal opinion, clearly become the best quarterback from that that class. Now, Trey Lance, we still don't know anything about. We we know nothing. We learned literally nothing about Trey Lance. Not a thing. Not a thing. I don't. I think what we know so far is not particularly good, though. Sure. Sample size is incredibly small, but yep. we know very little. Zach Wilson has been a disaster. Mac Jones is looking bad. Davis Mills got benched. Justin Fields has been a really, really, really good runner for the last month of the season. Really good runner. And he still shows that flashes throwing the ball. This reminds me a little bit 
of late season 2018 Josh Allen, where he was rushing for 100 yards for almost three games in a row. And he was kind of using that as like a, a crutch. And you're like, okay, maybe there's something here. That's where we are with Justin Fields right now. Hey, maybe there's something here. We know that the running's good. Eventually, he's not going to be able to run for 100 yards every game. But it was the same way when Allen was just like, screw it, I'll run it for three <laughs> games in a row. And he became a massive fantasy football quarterback down the stretch in 2018. Mm. Because run and run and run and run and run it. I remember. That's the way I feel about Justin Fields right now. That's not me poo-pooing on Justin Fields. It's just got to make the next step for him. So for me, Trevor Lawrence went from not in the conversation of the best quarterback in that class to clearly the best quarterback in that class. And he did it in a big game, late. One of my favorite stats I have ever seen was that that was the first game that the Jacksonville Jaguars have won when they were trailing by seven or more with a minute left to go in the game ever. Hmm. Ever. In the franchise's history, Nate, they have never been down by seven or more with a minute to go and won the game. That's not bad. So he leads the entire franchise That's in not that bad. one stat. That well. I mean, it's it's not the franchise hasn't been around that long, Bruce. But okay, okay, yeah, okay. But you know, it's been around long. Hey, enough. hey, hey! I, I, uh, I'm not minimizing like, it. I actually, I was actively minimizing it. But go ahead. You actually were minimizing it. I so was actively doing the, it, yeah. like like in, emphatically minimizing it. In yeah, fact. yeah, yeah. Blatantly. But now I'm going to wait, and I'm going to have whatever your winner is. I'm going to emphatically minimize it. So okay. go ahead with your winner. Um. Are you sure? Am I allowed to do that? Am I allowed to go on with my winner? Can I actually, would you mind? You know what? No, no, don't, 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 don't do it. I'm going to, no, no, you're just going to skip it over. I'm going to minimize it so much. I'm not even going to let you talk. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. Deal. Feel. I don't, I don't even have a winner this week because my loser, my looter, my loser is so important. And it's so important that I step on my soapbox and talk about the loser this week. Go Um, do it. Okay. My biggest loser of the week. Dramatic pause is happening right now. I feel like I'm a golf announcer. Every Patriots fan alive. Biggest losers! They're the biggest losers. All of them. All of them. Every single one of these guys. Every single one of them. Big front-running losers. They left the game early. They booed, and they're big crybabies and spoiled brats, as as my buddy Sal Capaccio said on the radio today. Um, They are six Super Bowls removed. I mean, that was like three years ago. Like, these people are insufferable New Englanders who are worse. Don't let anybody convince you Philadelphia fans, that New York fans – that Cal, that LA fans that are barely that are barely existent. Don't let anybody tell you that Patriots fans aren't the worst people in the world. I hope that they never, ever, ever make the playoffs ever again. I hope they have a 17-year playoff drought because that would be sweet. It would be earned. And I've never seen a fan base turn so quickly on the greatest coach of all time. Is Bill Belichick mailing it in? Listen, he's earned the right to mail it in. He can do whatever he wants. He's won you six Super Bowls. If he wants to mail it in, you should you should bring him rice pudding. You should bring him rice pudding on a platter uh, until he goes into a retirement home. He if he wants to mail it Super in, you should Bowls. provide him the stamps. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing here, guys? You guys are big, giant losers. And I thought for a long time that Dolphins fans were the biggest losers of them all. They're pretty close, but there's – no way they're as big a losers as the New England Patriots fans are. The entire fan base, big bunch of fraud baby whiners. Okay. <clears throat> My biggest loser of the week is Zach Wilson. All of a sudden, there's good no, vibes yeah. in the New York Jets locker room. All of a sudden, the New York wide receivers show a pulse 
all of a sudden the New York passing game has a pulse. And when there is that stark of a difference between the guy you drafted number two overall and Mike White, what Robert Saleh said, the head coach of the Jets, he said that Mike White made the easy stuff look easy. The implication there is that Zach Wilson makes the easy stuff look hard. And that's not good. Mike White is 27 years old. He was drafted in the 2018 NFL draft. He's only three years older than Zach Wilson. Yeah, it's crazy. He could be. From a draft standpoint. He is auditioning for the full-time job, but let's not kid ourselves. Jimmy G's in a crash course to be that team's quarterback next year. I think you're probably right. Yeah. But this is a scenario where, I mean, can Zach Wilson – have had a worse week? No. No. After all of the comments that were made about him saying, no, I didn't let the defense down, then he gets benched, then he's inactive, then the guy who took his job lights it up, and then the head coach says he made the easy stuff look easy. Zach, by the way, you make the easy stuff look hard. You realize how important trigger men are? to an offense like that when you see someone who can run it versus someone who can't. Mm. And that's the situation with Mike White. Yeah. Someone who can run it versus someone who can't. Zach Wilson, you are the biggest loser this week. It's a fact. Nate, we did it. We did it. We did all the things. The things have been done. We normally do, but we did it especially well. We did do it especially well. I... I'm going to finish off my tea Ooh. and enjoy my weekend because Mrs. Nolan is leaving me next week. Ooh. She'll be gone for multiple days. So I'm going to spend every minute I can over the next couple of days. I think we're going to take a walk maybe tomorrow. Take the walk with the dogs like that. We're not going to watch the Buckeyes because they lost last week and we're not going to they watch did. any championship. They, they stink. Um, not happy. They still they still could uh, backdoor their way into the playoff though. It's seventeen seventeen right now. USC loses. They're they're playoff they're playoff bound. Um, I'm gonna poke my head out. All of I'm this, sure my wife is having you know having Utah gear on in the living room right hmm. now. Hmm. I um uh, I'm gonna I have a I just bought today uh, a six pound brisket. Nice. And I'm gonna smoke a brisket on Sunday. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. I need to get a smoker. I yeah, you do it. You do it. I'll, I'll give you a good. I'll give you a good recommendation to get yourself going, so that you can. Because here's the thing, and I don't. We don't have to go too long on this, but the thing I'll tell you, anybody that wants to get into smoking, don't do the thing which is to get a smoker that's really intricate, hard to use. Get a all-in-one. Get yourself like an eight-in-one, like I got pellet grill that converts to a open flame. So if you want to sear something at a super high level, super high pace, it's gas-free. You don't have to use gas. You plug it in. It's got an auger that feeds it with the fuel, which is, you know, the, the wood pellets. And you get that authentic smoky taste. So if you want to make a big bone in ribeye, Bruce, you want to um, you want to sous vide it two hours, pull it 115, and then put it on 700 degrees and, 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 and blast it on the open flame. That adds, that makes one of the best steaks I've ever had. Um and then on top of that, you can, you know, you don't have to babysit. You don't have to worry about adjusting temperatures. You set the temperature you want and you let it rip. So uh, I've got good recommendations. And I spent, on the fourth, there was a 4th of July sale. I spent $225 on my smoker. Wow. And I love it. And I love it. Like, and, and I, I could fit a full rack. I could fit two full racks on top. And in the barrel of the bottom part, I mean, I fit, I fit six full uh, chuck roasts. So it's, it's, it's a big boy. It's a big boy. Um, so if anybody has, anybody wants to get into smoking, has been thinking about doing it, shoot me a DM. I'd be happy to, uh, to, to walk you through the first process. And then that way, you know, if you really love it and you get into it like me, um, in the summertime, I mean, I was smoking things once, sometimes twice a week, a lot of stuff on the open flame, love, love vegetables on an open flame. Holy cow. Like summer vegetables, squash, or, um, you know, like zucchini and oh man, onions, red onions that are that are charred. Oh my god! Um, so yeah, 
I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to assist anyone that's trying to get into it. And if you want to get into it, Bruce, you let me know. Well, okay. I will do it. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed Nate Geary's little PSA mm. on Smoker. I hope that you had fun with us here on Friday evening. But most importantly, amongst all other factors, I hope you didn't leave hungry. <laughs>